Section 2 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 10, January 6, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 10, January 6, 1880. Section 2. The History of Photogen and Nycteris, A Day and Night Merican, by George MacDonald begun in number five of harper's young people december second chapter eighteen refuge continued you come then or i shall shut them said nycteris and you shan't see them any more till you are good come if you can't see the wild beast i can you can and you ask me to come cried photogen yes answered nycteris and more than that I see them long before they can see me, so that I am able to take care of you. But how? persisted Photogen. You can't shoot with a bow and arrow, or stab with a hunting knife. No, but I can keep out of the way of them all. Why, just when I found you, I was having a game with two or three of them at once. I see, and sent them too, long before they are near me, long before they can see me or scent me. "'You don't see or scent any now, do you?' said Photogen uneasily, rising on his elbow. "'No, none at present. I will look,' replied Nycteris, and sprang to her feet. "'Oh, oh, do not leave me, not for a moment,' cried Photogen, straining his eyes to keep her face in sight through the darkness. "'Be quiet, or they will hear you,' she returned." The wind is from the south, and they cannot scent us. I have found out all about that. Ever since the dear dark came, I have been amusing myself with them, getting every now and then just into the edge of the wind and letting one have a sniff of me. Oh, horrible! cried Photogen. I hope you will not insist on doing so any more. What was the consequence? Always, the very instant, he turned with flashing eyes and bounded toward me. Only he could not see me, you must remember. But my eyes being so much better than his, I could see him perfectly well, and would run away round him until I scented him, and then I knew he could not find me anyhow. If the wind were to turn and run the other way now, there might be a whole army of them down upon us, leaving no room to keep out of their way. You had better come. She took him by the hand. He yielded and rose, and she led him away. But his steps were feeble, and as the night went on, he seemed more and more ready to sink. "'Oh, dear, I am so tired and so frightened,' he would say. "'Lean on me,' Nycteris would return, putting her arm round him or patting his cheek. "'Take a few steps more. Every step away from the castle is clear gain. Lean harder on me.' I am quite strong and well now. So they went on. The piercing night eyes of Nycteris descried not a few pairs of green ones gleaming like holes in the darkness, and many a round she made to keep far out of their way, but she never said to Photogen she saw them. Carefully she kept him off the uneven places, and on the softest and smoothest of the grass, talking to him gently all the way as they went of the lovely flowers and the stars, how comfortable the flowers looked down in their green beds, and how happy the stars up in their blue beds. 
When the morning began to come, he began to grow better, but was dreadfully tired with walking instead of sleeping, especially after being so long ill. Nycteris, too, what with supporting him, what with growing fear of the light, which was beginning to ooze out of the east, was very tired. At length, both equally exhausted, neither was able to help the other. As if by consent they stopped. Embracing each other, they stood in the midst of the wide grassy land, neither of them able to move a step, each supported only by the leaning weakness of the other, each ready to fall if the other should move. But while the one grew weaker still, the other had begun to grow stronger. When the tide of the night began to ebb, the tide of the day began to flow, and now the sun was rushing to the horizon, borne upon its foaming billows. And even as he came, Photogen revived. At last the sun shot up into the air like a bird from the hand of the Father of Lights. Nycteris gave a cry of pain, and hid her face in her hands. "'Oh, me!' she sighed. "'I am so frightened. The terrible light stings so!' but the same instant through her blindness she heard Photogen give a low exultant laugh and the next felt herself caught up she who all night long had tended and protected him like a child was now in his arms borne along like a baby with her head lying on his shoulder but she was the greater for suffering more she feared nothing nineteen the werewolf at the very moment when Photogen caught up Nycteris, the telescope of Watha was angrily sweeping the tableland. She swung it from her in rage, and running to her room, shut herself up. There she anointed herself from top to toe with a certain ointment, shook down her long red hair, and tied it round her waist, then began to dance, whirling round and round, faster and faster, growing angrier and angrier, until she was foaming at the mouth with fury. When Falca went looking for her, she could not find her anywhere. As the sun rose, the wind slowly changed and went round, until it blew straight from the north. Photogen and Nycteris were drawing near the edge of the forest, Photogen still carrying Nycteris, when she moved a little on his shoulder uneasily and murmured in his ear, I smell a wild beast. That way, the way the wind is coming. Photogen turned, looked back toward the castle, and saw a dark speck on the plain. As he looked, it grew larger. It was coming across the grass with the speed of the wind. It came nearer and nearer. It looked long and low, but that might be because it was running at a great stretch. He set Nycteris down under a tree, in the black shadow of its hole, strung his bow, and picked out his heaviest, longest, sharpest arrow. Just as he set the knot on the string, he saw that the creature was a tremendous wolf, rushing straight at him. He loosened his knife in its sheath, drew another arrow halfway from the quiver, lest the first should fail, and took his aim, at a good distance to leave time for a second chance. He shot. The arrow rose, flew straight, descended, struck the beast, and started again into the air, doubled like a letter V. Quickly Photogen snatched the other, shot, 
cast his bow from him, and drew his knife. But the arrow was in the brute's chest up to the feather. It tumbled heels overhead, with a great thud of its back on the earth, gave a groan, made a struggle or two, and lay stretched out motionless. "'I've killed it, Nycteris,' cried Photogen. "'It is a great red wolf.' "'Oh, thank you,' answered Nycteris feebly from behind the tree. "'I was sure you would. I was not a bit afraid.' Photogen went up to the wolf. It was a monster. But he was vexed that his first arrow had behaved so badly, and was the less willing to lose the one that had done him such good service. With a long and a strong pull he drew it from the brute's chest. Could he believe his eyes? There lay, no wolf, but Watho, with her hair tied round her waist. The foolish witch had made herself invulnerable, as she supposed, but had forgotten that, to torment Photogen therewith, she had handled one of his arrows. He ran back to Nycteris and told her. She shuddered and wept, but would not look. 20. All is well. There was now no occasion to fly a step farther. Neither of them feared anyone but Watho. They left her there and went back. A great cloud came over the sun, and rain began to fall heavily, and Nycteris was much refreshed, grew able to see a little, and with Photogen's help walked gently over the cool wet grass. They had not gone far before they met Fargu and the other huntsmen. Photogen told them he had killed a great red wolf, and it was Madame Watho. The huntsmen looked grave, but gladness shone through. Then, said Fargu, I will go and bury my mistress. But when they reached the place, they found she was already buried, in the maws of sundry birds and beasts which had made their breakfast off her. Then Fargo, overtaking them, would, very wisely, have Photogen go to the king and tell him the whole story. But Photogen, yet wiser than Fargo, would not set out until he had married Nycteris, for then, he said, the king himself can't part us, and if ever two people couldn't do the one without the other, those two are Nycteris and I. She has got to teach me to be a brave man in the dark, and I have got to look after her until she can bear the heat of the sun, and he helps her to see instead of blinding her. They were married that very day and the next day they went together to the king and told him the whole story. But whom should they find at the court but the father and mother of Photogen, both in high favor with the king and queen? Aurora nearly died for joy, and told them all how Watho had lied and made her believe her child was dead. No one knew anything of the father or mother of Nycteris, but when Aurora saw in the lovely girl her own azure eyes shining through night and its clouds. It made her think strange things, and wonder how even the wicked themselves may be a link to join together the good. Through Watho, the mothers, who had never seen each other, had changed eyes in their children. The king gave them the castle and lands of Watho, and there they lived and taught each other for many years that were not long. But hardly one of them had passed before Nycteris had come to love the day best, 
because it was the clothing and crown of Photogen. And Photogen had come to love the night best, because it was the mother and home of Nycteris. Were they not both ripening, however, to bear the power of a brighter sun still, when the one should follow the other into a yet larger room? The End End of Section 2 End of the History of Otogen and Nycteris by George MacDonald